Hey there, Pastor Tony Cruz here, and I am so excited that you've taken a moment to tune into this podcast. I think we could all agree that 2020 did not turn out like we thought it would. With all that said, as believers, we know one thing remains secure. The Lord is still God. We are excited to start our brand new Christmas 2020 series called The Name. 700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah gave us a glimpse into the characteristics of our Savior that was to come. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. As we dive into these four characteristics of God, remember, hope has a name, and His name is Jesus. Let's listen in. Let's take a journey into the second part of this series called The Name. The second part of the series, the name, often gets overlooked because we look upon these next four weeks and there were four particular things I laid out for you last week. We talked about the wonderful counselor last week. And I often, uh, I joke because last week I said, uh, how many of you uh, can agree that a counselor is good? And some people are like, I don't know if I should admit that, that I went to counseling, but but I hopefully you get a chance to hear last week's message and hear that a counselor is a good thing. Someone speaking into your life uh, from a different point of view is a good thing. Yes, it shouldn't be something that we are fearful of or, or you know, hesitant about kind of admitting. All of us at some point or another have needed that wonderful counselor. Then we go into mighty God and everlasting father and prince of peace. So those are four specific things spoken of in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. So as we enter the second week, we enter into the mighty God portion of those four weeks. Now we can look at it and go, mighty God, what are you going to tell me about mighty God that I don't know? Well, I hope to be able to unpack some things this morning to you because the prophetic passage in Isaiah chapter 9 was, was spoken to a people that are full of distress. Raise your hand if you've had distress this year. Um, raise your hand if you've had a little bit of darkness in your life this year. Okay, I've got a, a lot of great participation here. Raise your hand if you feel like you have a bright future despite of it. Come on. Come on, this is where faith steps in. Right? Because we can't always confess that because we're like, I don't know. Have you seen the year I had? That's a lot of faith. But can I tell you something? I didn't come here this morning to tell you doom and gloom. You've been through that. I'm here to tell you how mighty our God is. I'm here to tell you how mighty our God is. So be encouraged with that. Come on, air tap somebody and say, uh, like air tap, that means don't touch them right now. Six feet. Air tap somebody right next to you, like point at them, be like, he's a mighty God. Come on, tell somebody. If you're at home right now, I want you to type right now in this comments, in this feed, he is a mighty God. Go ahead and type that because some of y'all need to speak it. Some of y'all need to write it in the back of your paper right now, in the back of your, in the leaflet of your Bible, right below the table of contents. Somewhere you need to remind yourself that he's a mighty God. God is going to do something amazing 
in your life through what is happening. And so we look at this book. Let me, let me turn back to Isaiah for a moment because you say, Pastor Tony, how could you say that God is going to do something great when you look at the year and you say, what possibly do I have? In fact, I want 2020 to be over so fast. It's going to come. 2021 is going to come at some point here, right? I know what the calendar says. But what happens if January 1, we still have some of the same problems we had December 31st? Some of you are like, I thought this was positive, Pastor Tony. <laughs> but just because you flip the calendar doesn't mean you're, you, everything changes. Your mindset has to change though, yes? Your mindset has to go to a place where you say, this is a fresh start for me. I'm going to believe God for greater things. Because that's exactly what Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. He said, for unto us a child is born, and the prophet declares this, to us a son is given. You know what he was saying? Everything is the same, but the son has arrived. The son has arrived. And I'm here to tell you this morning that things may look the same today, but the son has arrived. And no matter what you are going through, sometimes you just have to tell yourself, the son has arrived. When the sun goes up, remind yourself that the sun is still up. That's S-O-N. He still is resurrected. He still is alive. And for unto us a child is born. And for unto us a son has been given. Come on, tell somebody right now. The son is here. That's right. The S-O-N is here. Now imagine with me. I love that video that we showed just a little bit ago. Because they were like, it shouldn't have been like this. It should have been like, the kids just have the craziest imaginations. But some of y'all like, that's the way I thought it was when I was little too. It should have been like this. The son didn't come like we all thought he would. Nor did the Jews think the son came the way he should have. But imagine the conversation for a moment with Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine with me? But forgive my mind, but this is where my mind goes when I read. Person. Aw, He's such a cute baby. Joseph, thanks. He's getting so big now. He was born six pounds, two ounces. Person, oh yeah? What's his name? Joseph, oh, savior of the world. You couldn't have gone with Gary? Nope. Savior of the world. Sorry, that's the way my mind works. Can you imagine that kind of conversation? Oh, he's cute. What's his name? Oh, Savior of all mankind. Okay, good talking with you, Joseph. Say hi to Mary for me. But that's what his name was. Savior. Because he saves people of their sins. Matthew 1.21. 
So while Isaiah's prophecy doesn't give us a full description of everything, he gave us these, these four things. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. I talked a little bit about this last week, but in 700 BC, the people of Israel were facing hostile times. I, I kind of laid it out for you. you. Realize this: that Isaiah, when he was prophesying, he was prophesying during a time where the people were going through hostile, hostile things, and the nation of Assyria, was modern-day Iraq, uh, was ra- was constantly raiding and conquering, and all and all terror was happening, particularly in the Israel's north and the eastern borders. They were continuously raiding and taking their stuff. And, and that's how the land of Zebulun and, and Naphtali were humbled. They were in the northeastern states of the Union of Israel. Now, forgive me. i got to teach you a little bit here. And they were being terrorized by their enemies. I need you to understand that when, when Isaiah was prophesying, these people were going through horrible turmoil. They were being raided. They would, they would uh, raise their flocks. They would raise their, uh, you know, their, they would sow their seeds and wait for their, their harvest to come. And when they would come, they would raid. Assyria would raid them and take all their stuff. And every single time this would happen over again. And they could not defend themselves. In fact, they were uh, outmanned, outnumbered. And God knew how they were feeling. So he issued a promise to them. He said through one of the most... Uh, respected spokespersons, the prophet Isaiah, he says, do not be afraid, have courage, and get this, have joy. It's kind of hard to have joy when people keep taking your stuff and people keep raiding your house. Can you imagine you work uh, for 10 or 15 years and you, you, have, uh, you, you, know, you have the TV you've always wanted, you have, the, you have this you've always wanted, that, you got that blender you've always wanted, come on, that toaster's nice and beautiful, it gives us four toasts in one shot, that's just amazing stuff. And you, know, you got all these nice things and you got your house in order and all of a sudden your door gets burst down and, and they, people just that you never met raid your house and, and at gunpoint they take everything you've ever owned. And they walk out with a gun to your face, leaving you empty. How would you feel? Would you be like, I have so much joy right now? Thank you for taking my stuff? No. But there's a reason why Isaiah had, had said, uh, you know, have joy. And the, and the outcome of the war was going to be settled. God was going to step up. And the outcome of their war against Midian, which that's exactly what I'm talking about here for a moment, was uncertain until God bought a huge victory. And so God says to them, he is going to be a wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. He's going to be a, a mighty God. He's going to be a, an everlasting father. He's going to be the prince of the peace that you so lack right now. Now hear me. In this passage, we look at this and we think, a child is born. Did it, would you, if you could write the story, wouldn't you write where the king arrives, a full-grown man with a sword in his hand and an army with soldiers and, come on, would you write it differently? If you're going to deliver Israel, wouldn't you write it differently? A guy that's going to show up with a big sword and he's going to fight and he's going to liberate Israel. But no, he came as a baby. A baby that is uh, not just one of the most vulnerable human beings. A baby that cannot feed himself, clothe himself, communicate, defend himself, completely dependent on a person. And that is the child, Almighty God. 
That's how he came in that package. So the exciting part of Christmas is this. There's a baby being born who will change the world. No matter what Herod, no matter what Pilate, no matter what any authority at the time would want to do, he was going to be born and he was going to change the world. Now, one time years before this prophecy, the nation of Israel was facing an unconquerable army. And that's what I'm talking about, Midian for a moment. I'm going to go back to Midian for a moment, who was attacking the people of Israel. Like I said, stealing their stuff, taking their animals, their food, their tools, their jewels. And Israel, the Israelites tried year after year to stop these Midianites. And so um, they couldn't. They were outmanned and outnumbered. And so the Midianites were just... A superior power. Now, if you would for a moment, let me just kind of turn to this passage. Would you turn with me to Judges for just a moment? I want to show you mighty God. I want to talk about mighty God here in the series, The Name. Our main text is out of Isaiah. They were going through a dark time, and Isaiah prophesied these, this is what God looks like. But I want to kind of point the picture as to what God can do with someone that's vulnerable and willing to be used by him. If we look at Judges chapter 6, allow me to put a synopsis together for you. Verses, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, in other words, they blew it morally, spiritually, ethnic, uh, ethically. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. They did what they wanted to do, and God gave them over to the Midianites. But because of the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountains, in the cliffs, in the caves, in the strongholds. Look at chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. That's what you'll read there. And then we go on to read this. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and the Malachites and the eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped in the land, ruined the crops. And and all the way to Gaza, they did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. You find that in 3 and 4. They were being oppressed. They came up with their livestock, their tents, and swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them. Men and their camels were invaded. The land was ravaged. And Midianite, the Midianites were so, uh, they were so evil. The Israelites did what Israelites do. They called out to God after they did everything they can do. How many have ever done that? You kind of did it your way until you figured out it didn't work. Then you call God up and like, God, okay, I tried. Right? So in response to Israelite, the Israelites' help, God appoints a deliverer. And his name was Gideon. And some of you know the story. Some of you may not. I'm going to just humor me for a moment if you do know the story because I want to make sure everybody understands. Gideon was about as unlikely a hero as a nation could have. He knew it. Everybody else knew it. And when God comes to him, God says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he's like, wait, who? Me? You want to call me mighty warrior? The Lord is with you, mighty Lord. Why? Because he doesn't call you as you are. He calls you as he sees you. You need to stop calling yourself as you are and how God sees you. You want to walk in promise? Stop calling yourself as you are. Don't look in the mirror. Look in the Bible. The mirror is deceptive. You look in the mirror, 
It's deceptive. That's not you. That's, that's the thing carrying the real you. Come on, somebody. Some of you are like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that's the thing carrying the real you. That's the vehicle. And some of you are like, yeah, I got a lot of extra vehicle. I got an SUV. I can say, I'm going to just stop right there, though. Right? Some of you are like, I got a Hummer. So what I'm saying is, we, we look at ourselves. God called Gideon as he saw him, mighty warrior. And he says, in verse 15, he says, mighty warrior... How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. I'm the least in my family. Why? Because all we want to do is tell God who we think we are when God has already told you who you are. Come on, Charlie Brown people. You know what I'm talking about? That was pretty good Charlie Brown, wasn't it? I've been working on that just for you guys. But the truth is, the truth is that we, we can often speak, and that's exactly, and I'm so glad the Lord prompted Sammy, because Sammy knew nothing of what I was talking about earlier. Um, she knew nothing about what I was speaking of. And, and that's exactly how we could be. We could end up speaking ourselves out of a blessing. You ever talk somebody down from doing something dumb? That's what God is doing with us every day. Come on, somebody. He's always trying to talk us down. Listen, stop. And so sometimes he has to mute you. He has to mute you to protect you from you. Did you hear that? Write that down. Jason, write that down. Sometimes he has to protect you, so he mutes you to protect you from you. You, 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 you. So Gideon was not exactly a five-star general. Why? Because God had all the stars Gideon needed. God says, I just need an able body that's willing to submit to me. Thank God that he's the five star. You just have to be the general. Oh, that's good. Let's write that down. Write that down quick before you forget. God is the five star. You just have to be the general. God says to him, here's the deal. I want you to prove. I want to prove to my people and the world that I can do something great with something small. So Gideon raised up Tony from the Bronx. Oh, no, I'm sorry. So Gideon. Sorry. <laughs> That's the way I read it. That's the way I read it. So Gideon, the Midianites are about to attack your country with 120,000 soldiers. So guess what? I'm going to give you, watch this now, 300. You not only chose me, but your math is off, God. Because, right, wouldn't you want to fight about, they got 120, I need 150 then. Because we want to make sure we're ready. God says, no, it doesn't work that way. God plus one is always the majority. Right? So he says, no, if I, listen, if I gave you 150,000, they would say the 150,000 did it. Uh-uh-uh. 300. 300. I'm going to use you to defeat the army. With 300. 
Fast forward to the end, 300 on the Gideon win. They win. So here's the moral of the story. It's just like God to do something great with something small, right? Because he's mighty God. Say that with me. He's mighty God. Say it again. He's mighty God. Now, that's easy to roll off your tongue. He's mighty God. He's mighty God. But I need you to understand something. Allow me to teach for a moment. Can I teach, with, can I teach you for a moment? Because the Hebrew word mighty God, the Hebrew word mighty God is the word El Gibor. Now, I'm going to put these notes online. You can take snapshots of it. It's a little intense here because I'm dealing with the Hebrew. But the Hebrew is so important here. I needed to teach you this. Watch. The word mighty God in Hebrew is the word El Gibor. El Gibor. The El is the noun of the phrase, right? Gibor is the adjective that modifies the noun. So when the word El is seen in Hebrew, it's a shortened form of Elohim, which means God, right? So El is short for Elohim, which is the most common name used for God in the Old Testament. Now, for example, let's take a scripture for a moment. Let's take a scripture like this. Genesis 1.1 tells us, in the beginning, God. Let's stop there for a moment. In the beginning, God. That word God, right? Whenever we shorten the form El is used, is Elohim. And that right there, God, is the word El, Elohim. So, when we look at the word El Gibor in the Hebrew, and we break it up, mighty God, the English, watch this now, the English language cannot hold the weight that the Hebrew language used in this word. El Gibor is not just God or mighty God. In fact, El Gibor, El is the mighty one. Gibor is mighty. So actually, when we look at Isaiah 9, 6, I need you to hear this because you need to understand something. Isaiah 9, 6 in the English just doesn't cut it because the original language, El Gibor, actually says, and he will be called the mighty Comma, mighty one. He's mighty, mighty one. Somebody say, mighty, mighty one. So he's not just mighty God. He is mighty, mighty one. And some of us need a mighty, mighty one to stand for us today. Some of us need a mighty, mighty one to fight the battle that we're facing in our lives right now. Some of us realize that in America, we need a mighty, mighty God to fight at this time. Somebody say amen. That's good. Isn't that good? There's some worth and some gems in the scriptures when we look at the original language that Hebrew word, El Gibor, the mighty, mighty one. So we can look at the mighty one as a casual, or he's strong and he's mighty. Like David and his what men? Mighty men, right? We, have a, we even have a mouse that's mighty, right? 
We, everybody wants to be mighty. Everybody wants to be strong. And, and, and Samson, he was a mighty man. And he, and he fought this. And David was a mighty king. And he fought wars. We kind of use it real casually, don't we? I kind of talked a lot about this last week when I talked about wonderful counselor. We use wonderful very casually. Right? We use counselor very casually. Don't we use mighty pretty casually here? Mighty, mighty one is how we need to approach this. So when you pray, do you pray like you're praying to a mighty God or are you praying to a mighty, mighty one? Because that's how we need to pray. So let's dig into this for a moment. Consider this. From the ancient times and prophecies, let's talk about the Messiah for a moment. Because I want to bring some things, and this is where snapshots, you're not going to be able to take notes on this right now because it's too much. But I'm going to put out on the screen here in just a moment, the Messiah laid out throughout the Old Testament, starting with the third chapter of Genesis, where God says, the one who will save the world will be born of an offspring of a woman, Genesis 3.15. And there are actually 12 ancient prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Watch this. This is something I, I, I never taught on this. And I, I, this is some good stuff right here. And I'm so glad you get to hear it this morning. Are you glad you get to hear it this morning? Because I need you to hear this. There are 12 ancient prophecies that Jesus fulfilled before he could even walk. Now, you say, that's awesome. That's great. No, no, no. You don't understand. He could, before he could walk, he, he, did 10 of, he did 12 of them before he could walk. And he did 10 of them before he even came out of the womb. I want to tell you how mighty, mighty God is. Are you ready for this? I'm glad you are, because I am. He did 10 of them before he left the womb. And I'm going to list them out for you right here. The offspring of a woman, Genesis 3.15, from a virgin... Isaiah 7.14, the Son of God, Psalm 2.7. He fulfilled these prophecies. Watch this. Number four, the descendant of Abraham. He had to be a, the, the Messiah had to be a descendant of Abraham. Check that right off your list, Genesis 22. From the line of Isaac, check. From the nation of Israel, check. From the tribe of Judah, check. From the family of Jesse, check. From the house of David, Check. In Bethlehem, he will be born. Check. Presented with gifts, according to Psalm 72. Check. Now watch this. Number 12, children will be killed. How do you prophesy that? How do you prophesy that someone will be that disgusting and kill that many children like was done around the time Jesus was born? So how do you know how do you look at this and not see that he's the Messiah? Now, listen, several years back, there was a professor, and I graciously put his picture up on the screen here for a moment. There was a professor by the name of Peter W. Stoner, and he wrote in a book called Science Speaks. Now, follow me. And using mathematical science, he put the probability that there was one and 1,017 chance that a person will fulfill just eight, just eight biblical prophecies. Now listen, follow me closely. Nobody say nothing, nobody do nothing, but follow me here for a moment. This man wrote this book, and he said, for someone to fulfill eight 
eight of those prophecies, it's one in 1,017 chance. That's one in 17 zeros. Now, what does that look like? Here's the example that was given by Stoner. Imagine if you were 1,017 silver dollars on a table. And you were to take one, just one, of those 117 silver dollars and mark it with a star or however you mark it. Now take those 117 silver dollars and spread them across the state of Texas. Then you take a person and blindfold them. Blindfold the person and say, walk around as close or as far as you want and the, the, the coin that you grab will be the one with the marking. What are the chances that that man is going to walk around and find the one, just the one? You got one chance to find the one in 100, excuse me, 1,017 silver dollars. I'm putting up just a picture for you. That's one and 1,017 chance. The possibility of fulfilling eight prophecies in scripture is one and 1,017. That's a hard number to mock when in fact Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies in scripture. That example was just to fulfill eight. Jesus fulfilled 300. Now, Jesus pulled off 10 of them before he was born, 12 before he walked. Can I tell you something? He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty, mighty God. Thank you. Because, friends... That's the God we serve. That's the God we read about today. If you are missing that, I'm so sorry. I'm so glad you tuned in. Because you get to hear about a mighty, mighty God. Throughout all his adult life, Jesus fulfilled over 300 plus prophecies. He fed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He walked on water and no, it wasn't frozen. He empowered a friend to walk on water just by seeing him and telling him, come to me. He calmed the storm, spoke to the storm, and the truth is God is still doing that today. He's speaking to storms. So 2,000 years ago, he sent a little package to the earth with a message to Mary. And that little package said, handle with care because you're handling the almighty God. Now, media team can help me with this. The little babe was mighty in his birth, yes? And he grew up to be even mightier, conquering things and doing things that nobody ever imagined. Now, hear me. Here's a question I've wanted to ask you, all of you, as you walked in here today, all of you, tuning in online right now. Here's what I've been wanting to ask you all morning, and I've held myself to this moment. 
what are the great forces coming against you these days? What's causing you to not think he is a mighty, mighty God? What has caused you to think, I don't know if I can do this anymore? Is it unemployment? Is it fear? Because that can be crippling, yes? Temptation is a force in your life right now. What about alcohol or substances? Maybe it's a relationship that you know has crossed the line. Maybe it's self-doubt, maybe discouragement. Maybe you came in here going, this is my last-ditch effort. I really don't know what to do with myself. I'm here to tell you, he's a mighty, mighty God. He's a mighty, mighty God. Let me leave you with a passage of Scripture. Can I do that? Because I can encourage your mind, but only God can encourage your soul. And here's what 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says. Humble yourself, therefore, unto or under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I'm here to tell you, he is a mighty, mighty God. And so let me ask you this. How do you get him to be mighty, mighty in your life, Pastor Tony? I, I don't know. I just feel like I don't even know how to approach this. I don't know where to start. Well, first of all, humble yourself. First Peter right here simply says, humble yourself. Figure out that you haven't figured it out. Understand that it's not about you and you haven't done it all. Humble yourself. Admit that you're not as mighty as you pretend to be. How many of you ever pretended to be like stronger than you are? And you're like, if they found out that I'm not the strong, what would they, what would they do? You don't have to fake it. Just come to him today and say, God, I humble myself. I need your help. So that's the first thing. How do you come to a mighty God right now? You humble yourself. And secondly, here it is. You ready? Cast your anxiety on him. He can take it. He can take it. Come on, say this right now. He can take it. If you're online right now, type it in the comments. He can take it. He can take it. There's nothing that you're bearing that he can't take. So how do I prove? How do I trust How do I put myself in that place where I trust God for who he is and be that mighty, mighty God? Well, I humble myself and I cast my cares upon him because he cares for you. Anybody grateful that he cares for you? He's a mighty, mighty one. He's a mighty, mighty God. And so I tell you this right now, no matter where you find yourself, he's a wonderful counselor and he's a mighty Mighty God. Stop calling him mighty when he's mighty, mighty. He's mighty, mighty. You might have got yourself in a mighty bad situation, but that's why this is so great. He's mighty, mighty. He can help you out of it. If your situation is mighty bad, he's mighty, mighty good. They cancel each other out and he's still mighty. Are you with me? Come on, that's good preaching. (laughs) Cancel culture. Mighty versus your fear. Cancel that out. But he's still mighty. 
I see you're mighty and I raise you're mighty. Come on, friends. I see you're mighty and I raise you a mighty. That's the God we serve. Can I ask you to do something for me right now? Actually, do it for yourself. If you're at home or you're here live right now, would you just lift up your hands right all across this room? If you're willing to trust God to be mighty, mighty in your life, just lift up your hands all across this room. You don't need to stand or do anything. Just right where you are. And I want you to say this to God. And don't say it to me or your neighbor. Just say it to God right now. I want you to say this. I want you to say, Lord, you are mighty, mighty. Father, you are mighty, mighty. Thank you, El Gabor. Thank you, El Gabor. We know you're El Shaddai. We know you're Elohim. But be El Gabor to us today. The mighty, mighty one. The mighty God. Thank you for being our wonderful counselor. Thank you for being mighty God. Mighty, mighty God. Even during my times of difficulty and turmoil, no matter how dark it gets, you are mighty, mighty. We love you today in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.